This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. Welcome to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. sitting in for my co-host, D.C. Marshall, who's out today, um, but she's going to really enjoy our guest. She's going to be sorry she missed our guest today. And the topic today, today we're talking about processing through uncertainty. Listen, we know what we've been through these last, you know, now going on three years with the pandemic and everything else around that. Um, while the economic shutdown is over, the pandemic is not. We are still dealing with uncertain times. Uh, we're looking at the, the, the war in Ukraine. We're looking at uh, what's happening in the stock market. We are living in uncertain times, but guess what? As people of faith, we have been equipped to live through uncertain times. So this is going to be a great show to really get regrounded in what it takes to process through uncertainty. And I'm going to give you the answer to the test up front by focusing on the one thing that is certain, God and his love for us. Uh, that solid rock that Jesus Christ is, that we stand upon, that has to be our orientation to deal with everything else around us. We have a great guest for this conversation for today's show. It is Reverend Dr. Lisa Robinson, um, the author of Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, new book. Um, but we got a great conversation lined up. We're talking about something that is really part of the Christian experience at all times. It was a part of the original Christian experience of disciples who followed Jesus himself. And it's, it's what we, we exist in and deal with as Christians in modern day times, even in 2022. And that is processing through uncertainty. We live in an uncertain world, a fickle world, a changing world, constantly changing world, where the only thing that remains the same is our Father God and Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Those things are unchanged. God's word is unchanged. But often we can be very easily distracted by all the other things around us uh, we just came through a global pandemic. We're dealing with the economic uncertainties, businesses coming and going, jobs coming and going, stock markets going up and down, you know, conflicts in our homes and our families, worries about our children, worries about our parents. There's a lot of uncertainty. We cannot see God's plan, but we know God has a plan. But listen, I got the answer for you. I have the perfect guest to have this conversation. Listen, you want to welcome to the show. The one and only Reverend Dr. Lisa Robinson, the author of Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, new book. Make sure you get it. We're going to talk about, about the book. We're going to talk about her, her ministry, and, and just to get some reassurance. We're talking about abundant living, living an abundant life, and you can't have an abundant life unless you are trusting in the solid rock that is Jesus Christ and our Father God. So listen, without further ado, welcome to the show, Reverend Dr. Lisa. Good afternoon, my brother Alfred. How are you? I am doing well. It is good to see you. Let me just give our audience a heads up in advance. Reverend Dr. Lisa and I have a couple of little connections. We've crossed paths 
Um, she's like, has a Rutgers connection. You guys know I'm a big Rutgers alum. I'm a New Jersey connection because she lived in New Jersey for a while. But I think the thing I'm most excited about, um, Reverend Dr. Lisa, is your journey and, and your journey of faith through a lot of changes and uncertainty. And just to give our audience kind of a background, um, you're Reverend Dr. Lisa now, but you, you've got multiple degrees and multiple disciplines. Talk a little bit about your journey to where God has brought you to today. Well, um, first, thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I will say you were inspiration to both me and my identical twin sister, Lori, back at Rutgers, because you were very active on campus and in a leadership role. And that's what I remember. And um, to see people, our upper-class men and women, just really fighting for the good fight back then on campus really inspired I would say both of us and you know it just made a huge difference in our lives and so but before we even got to Rutgers we started out in a little town called Teaneck New Jersey and Teaneck for those who don't know is five minutes I mean I could literally leave my house and I remember always saying it was five minutes but at one point during college, I worked in the city and I had to be there at a certain time. And I would actually say, I'm gonna see if it's really five minutes and to leave my house, walk down the steps, put the keys in the car and then um, get to the sign. The bridge says, welcome to New York. It was like five or six minutes. So um, we were that close. But I always share the story that growing up, because we live so close, New York City just became an extension of our livelihood. My dad's side lived over there, my mom's side. They were both born in the city. My mom was born in Harlem Hospital. My dad was born, I think, in the Bronx. And so their paths crossed. Um, started working in the hospital. My mom was a nurse and my dad started in the hospital, but eventually he worked his way up on the Triborough Bridge system. And he went almost all the way to the top until he couldn't go anymore. And that's when they retired and moved down to South Carolina, Charleston from where his family is. But just before we got to Rutgers, we had a lot of family engagements. We did a lot of cookouts and gatherings. There were a lot of funerals. But every time there was a funeral, there was sadness on this side of the church. But we talk about, you know, those home goings. So when you got through the funeral and got to the other side, there was always the celebration from the sermon until it turned into another party. And so that's what I remember. There was death, but there was life. <laughs> And yeah. I was seeing, it always turned into a reunion with our cousins from um, Harlem, the Bronx, Brooklyn, again, even out in the outskirts. And so that was our life growing up. But more recently, um, last year, the um, MLK Center, mm. Martin Luther King Center put out this, the inaugural magazine, Social Justice in America. But at the back of the book um, on page, I think 160, 168, it was a story about Teaneck. It was called The Kids on the Bus are All Right. And the story was about, um, here's the cover page, The Kids on the Bus, and you'll see um, 
somebody named Theodore Lacey, who we, I haven't even met her, but she worked with Dr. Martin Luther King in organizing in the South with the Montgomery bus boy cops, her and her husband, Dr. Archie Lacey, and then they moved to Teaneck in the 60s. And again, their lives crossed while my twin sister Lori and I and our friends, um, we were in that kindergarten class when they first desegregated the school system. So TNIC was known as that first system in the country, school system to desegregate before being forced to the parents, the Lacey's and others, along with other black and white families got together and said, this is stupid. Why are we separating the kids? <laughs> Right. Let them all go to the same school. So a lot of this was going on at the same time. And we just with a loving family environment, close and extended family. And but we saw everything. When we go to those cookouts or parties or just getting presents together to go over to Harlem or Manhattan, we would see out of my eyes in the back seat the homelessness. I would see the quick drug deals. I would see people just whatever urinating on the sidewalk. See people shivering. I see people arguing. So in the midst of the love, and we always saw everything else. And that was out of, I can say my eyes out of the back seat of a warm, comfortable car. It was like living in multiple different worlds. So that was like my upbringing. And going to Rutgers just opened up a whole new world to study African-American history with Dr. Wilson and others, which really sort of brought those to life. I mean, not only did you have your experience at Rutgers, I mean, you got a, a doctorate in social justice education, an MBA, a degree in the culinary arts. Mm -hmm. Tell me how that led you to, or informed your becoming um, a, a minister going into ministry yeah well everything i never lost sight of what i saw as a child i never lost sight of the injustices that i saw i saw that we were eating and having a warm meal but i remember the person on the street that had nothing mm -hmm. i remember seeing our house and our family but i also remember seeing people that have anybody that didn't have a place to go. So my path wasn't direct. And when I started in the social justice program, it was only one in the country at the time. And believe it may still be, at least on a doctoral level. So here I was in this program and seeing, um, again, those memories inform my work. And so I also got into grant writing and everything that I did was about giving voice to people who didn't have. So I focus on, someone would say, I wanna do something for the homeless. For me, those memories of what I saw went into my writing just to sit and listen to their story and listen to why they wanted to help the homeless. I already had pictures in my mind that is still there of a homeless man, a woman on the street. And so that went into my right and, and the person would say, how did you make that so vivid, so clear? Because it was already downloaded as a child. And I say that to say, you know, even as I'm teaching, I always say to people, whether it's a grant writing class or a graduate class or undergrad, you know, what's in your mind is gonna come out, what's in your heart. And then I could just help you put it on paper. You know, we're all talking about faith 
and finance, abundant living. And abundant living is not just for ourselves, it's for others. And Dr. Lisa, you, you're talking about all the things that you saw and experienced. And, and I got to say, I'm, I am moved um, and touched uh, by, let me just say this, lots of people see, saw the things that you saw and the people you saw Amen. and the homelessness and the hunger but not everybody was moved as you were for that to inform your decisions about your life, your career, your education. Talk to me about how that informs your work now, your ministry now, your calling now, as we are dealing with a lot of uncertain times, not just because of the pandemic. Homelessness didn't start with the pandemic. Hunger didn't start with the pandemic. Um, these other things that you felt moved to do something about um, didn't happen just because of the pandemic. Talk to me about what your work is and what you see now in terms of helping people through these kinds of difficulties. Well, I think you summed it up in a beautiful way because a lot of these, and I call them injustices, they have been going on for years. People have been starving for years and people have walked right by them. People have been crying out for healthcare and the system has unjustly left a lot of people who didn't have the means, the access or the finance to get healthcare. And we've seen so many people die. And um, it's just for me, it's more of an urgency now. We've lost so many people across this country, just the COVID. And I think about, you know, even in my own family, um, I moved back home or back to Charleston because my dad was ill, he had Alzheimer's, but at one point he fell and they could never take away that pain. Now he had insurance, he had good means and finances, but when I went to see him in the um, home where he was, the rehab place that my mother and whoever was visiting in town, the nurses would always say, you're one of the few families that come here every day, we applaud you. So that was supposedly a compliment, but I looked around and saw all the empty rooms. I saw people sitting in the hallway, just with tears in their eyes as we walked past to either bring him a change of clothes or bring him something or to sit and um, just read a scripture with him. And I saw, and this wasn't even just based on race because it was black, white, Latin, people didn't have anybody to come see them. And so again, you know, what message are we sending when we get older, are we just, we just don't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and the same thing with those who I'm ministering now, and it really touches me when I can tell somebody, you do make a difference. God did bring you here for a purpose. We're actually using my book now for a small group study at my church. And people are in tears mm. because even though they're my stories, I took stories from all over, from New York. I spent a year in India. I spent some in Ghana and some in Japan working with people all over the world, ministering, teaching, and all of our stories matter. It's not because I have a title, my story matters. No, if you're on the street, your story matters. If you're in the hospital, your story matters. If you've just been assaulted, your story matters. And so when I can just sit with people and listen and listen with a caring heart, because most times, Alfred, 
people will say, nobody doesn't listen to me. Mm. It's like we push people aside unless we think they can do something for us. But I say to them, no, God loves you and God cares for you. And so um, even through the tears and through the frustration, people are just so grateful to have somebody just listen to them. That's, that's such an important concept, such an important value. Listening is an act of love. Um, it's something that we don't focus on enough. Um, we like to talk. We like to be heard. We don't always like to listen. We, we you know, talk to me. Um, and, and whether it's you know inspired by your book or just from your own experiences, what are the good words that you're leaving with people to help them through uncertainty? Um, we live in uncertain times. Again, we always have. I mean, since the beginning of man, uh, we lived through uncertain times. But it does sometimes seem in our current experience between you know geo geopolitical conflicts like the war in Ukraine. Uh, we were still navigating the implications of the pandemic. The economy it does what it does. Goes up and down, back and forth, and impacts people who are less to work with. And in the midst of that, there's there's you and people like you who are literally a bomb in Gilead, who are literally helping people, you know, find their way through. Talk to me about what you share with people and what can you can share with our audience about processing uncertainty, getting through it. Well, one thing is that we all go through it. And I think a lot of times people think they're the only ones going through this particular problem, that they're the only one who got a bad diagnosis, that the only one who's going through a bad relationship, that they're the only ones who just lost their job or don't have money to buy medication or food. And I am just able to remind them that, you know, there are days that I've been there too. <laughs> and that there's always gonna be uncertainty, no matter how much money you have, no matter your title, no matter how many cars are in your driveway, there are good days and there are bad days. But one thing we know for sure, the only thing is certain is God. Mm -hmm. And so I think again, that people need to hear that but a lot of times people believe they're going through it because a lot of people are wearing masks. And that is one thing that I realized when I started teaching um, both social justice and women's studies and history courses and doing trainings that once you open up the class or the platform or the training and people know that they could be honest, that there would be no judgment, that there would be no shame, no belittling, that people just poured out their soul. <laughs> And that's what happened Tuesday night when we met, the tears came. And this was people who really didn't know each other. All of them didn't know each other at a personal level. Somebody walked by, say hi and bye to. But once you open up and set that platform, that this is a safe place, that it is okay to start crying. And I tell them that, you know, those tears that you shed each tear is going to end up being a testimony to bless somebody else because you have let those walls come down. You've opened up your heart and God already knows. So it's no shame to tell God because God created you and God knows you and God already knows what you're going through. It's just you and me who have to open up and trust that once we share and you don't have to share with everybody, but once you're in a safe place, 
once you feel that it is okay, that's when the healing really takes place. You know, you, you made that point of how important it is to recognize that you're not alone, whatever feelings you're having, whatever you're experiencing. And one of the revelations that I had during the pandemic, um, when it was a period of isolation, I was home, in my home alone for months on end, you know, grocery store runs, but basically alone. And I was reading the word and a revelation came to me that everything that I've ever felt or thought I felt, Jesus felt in his experience with, during his ministry. He was abandoned. He felt betrayed. He felt unappreciated. He was lied on. He, you know, everything that we think, oh, it's such, such injustice. He went through everything that we did, except that he was totally innocent. <laughs> and we're not. And it helped me to really gain some perspective on how much God really does love us, especially in uncertain times. Yeah. So listen, Dr. Lisa, Reverend Dr. Lisa, you're really pouring some important words out for our audience. And I know for me, I'm going to, you know, stick a pin in it there. When we come back, I really want to talk more about what moved you to write the book, um, what the book was for you. And you've already kind of given a hint, but I want you to go into a deeper dive to what it's doing for other people. Um, this is Be Lifted Up, Your Guide to Living an Abundant Life. We're here with Reverend Dr. Lisa Robinson, the author of Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. We're talking about processing through uncertainty, certainly a word that's going to be blessing us because we are going through uncertainty at all times. We'll be right back with Be Lifted Up, Your Guide to Living an Abundant Life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm here with Reverend Dr. Lisa Robinson. Um, Reverend Dr. Lisa, talk to me more about what moved you to write, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. Um, 
both in your own life and, and what you, you already kind of given me a little bit about what it's doing for other people, but what moved you, what, how did the Holy Spirit move you in this direction, both to decide to write the book and to tell your stories? And then tell me what, what, what what's happening as a result of that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was driven to write it more because I believe God was speaking to me when I was teaching and working with different groups around um, whether it was diversity trainings, trying to bring people together, doing grant writing workshops, doing, um, I used to do poetry and go around the different churches and community groups. But God kept saying, put your story on paper, put it on paper. And I remember a professor saying years ago that if it's not in writing, they may say it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage, you know, even um, people that I'm working with now in the church, out of the church, that we have to tell our stories. Our stories have been buried pre-slavery, during slavery, after slavery. We were told that we couldn't read. We told we couldn't write, but we found ways. God made a way. God opened up doors. And because of their stories that we were able to stand on their shoulders. And recently, um, I was invited to write a piece for our Daily Bread Ministry a devotion that came out during Black History Month. And that was part of the title for that devotion, um, standing on the shoulders. And mm -hmm. so, as I said, at Rutgers, there were you and others who were really out there. And I just felt like, you know, we just came right behind that group that you were associating with and walking in behind you and starting our own footsteps. And I feel that we have the obligation to tell our stories so somebody behind us who's younger or even the same age or older can tell their stories. Because I think it's so important that we can trust God. And I find that a lot of people are scared to take a step. But when you really trust God, if you take a step, so what if you mess up? You're still breathing. <laughs> you can take another step tomorrow. And so that's what I just encourage people. And so, yeah, I wanted to tell my story, but again, it's not just my story. It says, let not your heart be troubled, a healing guide for black women. And even though it says for black women, men are reading the book, white people are reading the book. Um, my twin sister, she was serving as an assistant attorney general over in Micronesia. And she gave the book to one of the women in the community. And the woman wrote me this long email, said she had tears in her eyes. Now this woman is in her 60s, South Pacific, Asian. And she said, I went through some of the same things you went through. And I learned about the civil rights movement. I wasn't even thinking about somebody learning about the civil rights movement because I forgot that it could go overseas. And so again, us sharing our story and putting on paper is just so important, particularly in the political environment that we live in right now, that we need to make sure that truth telling happens, not just for our sake, but for our ancestors' sake. I'm so grateful and, and thankful and humbled, frankly, by what you're saying about the impact that me and my generation of undergraduate Rutgers had on you and, and your generation of, of Rutgers um, undergrads. Uh, but, it, but it strikes me that we are all serving the same vineyard. Um, um, my activism at Rutgers in my career, even today, 
is driven by an abiding faith that I'm here to do something besides just, Man. you know, feed myself and be happy. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> um, listeners to this show know that I'm a grandson of a Baptist minister. I was raised in the church and, you know, come from not too different from you, you know, just hardworking, God-fearing people who just said, you know, this is the way you're supposed to do it. But it was not about ourselves. And when we're talking about processing through uncertainty, I know one of the, the recurring themes for me both during the pandemic and even pre-pandemic was one of the most effective ways of me coping with uncertainty in my own life was not making it about me by thinking, okay, what could I do to help somebody else navigate challenges or uncertainty in their lives? And as I'm blessing them, God is like, you're being blessed by blessing them. And that that's always been a recurring theme. And I, you know, I, I've talked to many people who are in, you know, in ministry who are actually you know trained in ministry as you are and they say that's that's an element that we think is only limited to people in ministry but that's something that we all have access to in uncertain times our ability to help other people through uncertain times which blesses and reassures us yeah and a lot of times it doesn't even Alfred have to be something big sometimes people may just need a smile that day maybe the only one who said hi to them that day we never know what someone's going through and as I was having this conversation with um the ministry who's reading the book I said maybe sister Susie who didn't show up on the choir we don't know her story. Maybe she just got a diagnosis she wasn't expecting. Maybe she just lost her job. And everybody, again, is going to go through uncertainty. But if we could just be there for that person in that moment, we can bless somebody. And a lot of times, you know, we just have to feed on the scripture. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> I'm going to be there for you. And so, um, again, just feeding on God's word and be believing in your heart that God will be there with you, whatever you're going through, because um, it may be hard but you're not the only one going through that and not to take away, you know, what's going on in your life, but there are people and all around that God sends angels. And sometimes we put up walls because we're ashamed to say that we're going through, but just trusting and believing that God is going to heal you. As my pastor, former pastor used to say, he's either going to heal you on this side or the other side, but God is going to heal you. And so just having that strong faith, but it takes time to get there. And that's where others come in to be there to hold you up. You know, Reverend Dr. Lisa, this, this idea of creating a safe space so that people can reveal their need. And if they can reveal their need, then they will get help. Um, God uses us to help each other. You, I, I love what you said about, you know, the angels that we're surrounded by. If only we were willing to confess our need. We talk a lot about confessing our sins in, in, in the faith. Um, but it's almost more important to confess our need. Because if we confess our need, God is not going to let us have a need that's not going to be dealt with. You know, he feeds the sparrows and clothes the flowers. He's not going to leave you hanging, you know. And so, so talk to me about one of the things that, that we, we can do to help one another through uncertain times is to create safe spaces to say, listen, I need, I need. 
Yeah, and um, whether it's at work or in the church or in the community or even in your own home, that we as um, just believers can start creating these spaces. And I know some people are doing it well, some churches are doing it well, some families are doing it well, but there are a whole lot who aren't. We first have to start with ourselves. We have to believe that we are examples. And if we can be open and authentic and transparent and just show, you know, that we've gone through something, and I believe um, the book is does that, which is why people are opening up. And I didn't get into the specifics yet, but because I said I've been through trauma, because I've said, you know, my daughter was born and she had a birth defect and went through 30 hours of labor. Now women are reading as like, oh, now I can share my story. Now I can share my story of trauma. I deal with death and life and discrimination, racism. Yes, I have titles, but before the title, and with the title, there's things that happen that need to be said. Reverend Dr. Lisa, that's so on point. Mm -hmm. Listen, and I'm going to say right at the top, you've really been blessing me. I can say that, mm -hmm. blessing me. And I, so I know that our audience is being blessed. I want you to you know, talk a little bit more. We, we talked about this concept of creating safe spaces for people to admit their need. One of the revelations I've had, um, both during the pandemic and since the pandemic, is that if I authentically experience a need, what I've realized is that either the need has already been met, but I don't realize it because I haven't been acknowledging the need. And I look around at this thing that I think I need, I look around and like, God, like it's right over there. It's been there the whole time. I mean, big things and small things. So my new um, kind of mantra to myself is if I feel like I need something, I either already have it, I just need to look around for it. Or if I can't find it right away, that means the timing is not right. But hold on, because it's going to come at the perfect time. And Reverend Dr. Lisa, if I could say, I mean, multiple times a day, where there's something little like, what am I going to have for lunch? Because my normal lunch is not here. To bigger things like, oh, I need to connect with my son because we got to deal with the issue. The need has already been met. And being able to, to acknowledge that still goes back to you feeling safe about expressing the need in the first place. So you so eloquently showed how your book is releasing people to express and admit their need. But I, you know, I want to get your take. I think it's also releasing people to say, hey, sis, hey, bro, I heard you express that need. And I'm willing to try to meet you where you are and help you deal with that. Talk to me about that other effect, the expression of the need, and then other people saying, God tapped me on the shoulder and told me I need to be there for you. Yeah, and I will say that I I remember doing workshops years ago when I first got my MBA. We talked about um, needs and wants and the mm -hmm. distinction between is it a need or is it a want? And um, I used to draw a line on the chart and put needs and put wants. Do you need to eat or do you want a steak? I mean, which is it? Are you hungry or you just want this big whopper? And so um, do you need transportation or do you need a Maserati or a BMW? So what are the needs? And under a lot of needs, especially when you think about our community, the African-American community, we're bombarded with messages of bigger and better. And people go into, they get this and then they want this because somebody they saw had that. 
So it's like this competition, you know, do you really need it or you will find until Johnny has it mm-hmm. or whoever. And so, but, you know, as a believer and Christian, I go back to what do I really need in my life um, or am I using you know, what I'm being bombarded with these millions of messages all throughout my life to get something that's not getting me closer to God. And that's why I think a lot of people are running and chasing things that they think they need. And really it's maybe they just need love. I totally agree with that. And again, I've been guilty of it. Again, we're all human. I'm now more conscious of when I'm chasing after or want to avoid dealing with a need. I'm chasing after a want because I don't want to deal with what may have been a traumatic experience for me. Even though dealing with that traumatic experience, the trauma actually identifies the need. Because this happened yes. to me, I feel unloved. Because that happened to me, I feel that I'm not worthy. And then if you would face the trauma, it identifies the need. You know, um, Like I said, is my need hunger or is my need a certain kind of food? that right. if I can't have that, I don't want anything. Mm-hmm. Well, then God's like, well, you're not really hungry. If you, if you really, right, 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 that's your position. Right, you're not right. really hungry because really hungry people mm-hmm. would take a, a morsel of bread and, and drop to their knees and praise God for that piece of bread. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. Your wisdom about wants versus needs is important in and of itself, but it's speaking to me because being able to be honest, you talked at the top of the show about being honest and open and authentic about how you really feel and what's really important to you and where you're really hurting is a big key to getting the blessing that is going to heal you. Amen. And that's the key right there, getting the blessing that's going to heal you. Um, And we recently started a caregiving ministry at our church. Right at the time, my dad was dying. And so I co-lead this training every Tuesday. And we actually have people from other states because it's um, virtual because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And just like this Tuesday group with my book, people are in tears. And they said, we realized we were not alone. Our need was that we're going through this with their father, their mother, their spouse. They're not getting help from the insurance company or the hospital system. But then they come to this group and hear the same story. You have five other people saying that happened to me. That was my need, but you need to come to this group. And because the issue is still the same, but the need wasn't necessarily the issue, it was the issue. The need was, I need attention. I need somebody to hear me. I need somebody to love me while I'm going through this. And then we comfort with scriptures. And so I think as a community, And again, wherever your community is, maybe it's your church, but everybody's not in church. We've had so many killings and shootings around here. But I said the other night, and I always say, yes, um, the one, he shot somebody at 18. Now he's going to jail. But who loved him? when he was eight, (laughs) who was circling up around him. It's easy to point and say these young people are out here shooting and killing in every major city. But my question is always, was their need met when they were younger as a community? Because some parents are working two and three jobs. Some parents are coming home and the children are already taking over the house. And so parents, they need attention. They need love because everybody didn't have the same upbringing in that close-knit 
family that I had and structure and love and every encouragement. And so as a community, whatever community you're in, I think we each have a responsibility either to help or to say, I have a need, but that means it has to be a safe place and we could go on and on, but really um, just staying prayed up and believing that God has put in each of us a purpose for being here on earth. And my purpose is no bigger than your purpose. And my mother always used to say, you know, way before titles, don't ever think you're bigger than somebody else and don't let anybody ever think they're bigger than you. And that stuck with me. So when I walk into a room, I don't think this person is so much, they have something different, not necessarily better. You have all the millions in the world, but we see what's going on in Hollywood that people just because they have money doesn't mean they have a loving life. You know, so many examples in the word where Jesus really said directly and by example, what you're saying, the titles and position is okay. It is what it is. But the King of Kings got down and girded his loins and washed the feet of the disciples to send the message. I want you to do for one another. I, I yes. want you to look at leadership as service. We're here to serve. We're here to minister. We're here to heal one another. And that is what it really means when it boils down to it. That's what it really means to be a Christian. That's what it really means to live an abundant life. In my opinion, to be able to say, yes, I am Reverend Dr. And be it such as that. Yes, I'm senior vice president, executive editor at Black. And yes, yes, I'm all of that. But what I'm really here to do is to heal you or to be a vessel for God to heal you. Yes. To be a vessel for someone yes. who's really going to see your need. Jesus says, as you do for the least of these, you've done it for me. And, and, and in, in this uncertain world with everything going back and forth and we're human, we want, we want titles, we want raises, we want people to tell us that we're important. We want that. But it's so important, especially in certain times, to get back to what are we really here for? And I just thank you so eloquently during the course of the show and, and with your book, provide a platform and a tool for us to really remember that, remember guys. In fact, while on the time we have left, Dr. Reverend Dr. Lisa, what's the best way people can get this book? Um, how can they follow you? There's a website, social media. What's the best way for people to really continue to get word and wisdom from you? Um, they can find the book on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, and just or Dr. Lisa Robinson. Yeah, let not your heart be trouble. Yes, a, a healing God. God for Black women. But it's for everybody. It's, for everybody. We all need to be here. We all need to be here, and we're all here to serve. And that's what you know. I end with God wants us to serve. Said, love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. So who's our neighbor? That's the question I leave. Reverend Dr. Lisa, first of all, you blessed me by letting me know that whatever I was doing as an undergrad. Oh, <laughs> doing we, were well. both doing, we did some good stuff when we were undergraduates at mm -hmm. Rutgers, and it's just a blessing um, to see you in your ministry, to see the things that you're doing. Please give my best to your sister. And uh, I'm just thankful that you can make time to be our guest on Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Well, God bless you. And I want to thank Gwen for our connection. Um, that's a blessing. Um, and I'm just grateful to be here. And yes, feel free to reach out to me. No doubt. Once again, we want to thank Reverend Dr. Lisa Robson, the author of Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, 
for really blessing us during this episode of Be Lifted Up, Your Guide to Living an Abundant Life. I think we got a couple of points, a couple of lessons, a couple of pieces of wisdom out of this conversation with Dr. Lisa um, when we talk about processing through uncertainty. First, we learned that one of the ways we have to process through uncertainty is with God, because God is the one thing that is totally certain now and forever. So that could be our North Star. That can be our orientation. That is Christ, the solid rock upon which we stand. That is unshakable, unmovable, when everything else around us is changing and swirling around us. But the second thing that I think came through, both with Reverend Dr. Lisa's book and her message, is that we process through uncertainty together. We are not alone. Not only is God with us, but we're with each other. And our willingness to admit that, to open up, to share our need in safe spaces is a big key to getting through these uncertain times. Listen, thank you for joining us for this episode of Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Make sure you come back when I'll be back with my co-host DC Marshall. Um, follow us on BeLiftedUpRadio.com. That's the letter B, LiftedUpRadio.com to listen to and subscribe to this and other episodes of the podcast. And follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now on YouTube, you can also watch and listen to episodes of the show. So listen, I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. sitting in for my co-host DC Marshall. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Thanks for being with us. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians, Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist, Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.